We're continuing our study on experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God. And as we do that, we're looking at the seven realities of knowing God. And so we've got a, a, a chart, a graph, sort of a graphic here to help us to best grasp how do we experience God and how do we come to know Him and to know His will for our life. And so the seven realities, it always starts out with the first reality, and that is that God is at work all around us. We've talked about how that everywhere we are that God is at work around us. But what His desire is, is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and is personal. And we keep coming back to this because this is really the key. Everything we say will always come back to number two, and that is that God pursues a loving relationship with you. And you heard that from some of the testimonies of people talking about this love relationship, this intimate relationship with God. He is pursuing that relationship with each one of us. But as he pursues that relationship, you move to the third reality, and that is that God invites you to become involved with him in his work. So when you understand that God is working all around us, and that he's chosen you and me to be there and build that relationship with him, then he says, I'm inviting you to join me in my work. But then in that invitation, you come to where we are today, and that is that God speaks. And God speaks by the Holy Spirit, and he speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. But once he speaks to us, then we have to make a decision. And that's where we come to the crisis of belief. God's invitation for you to work with him will always lead you to a crisis of belief that will require faith and action. And then once you make that decision, you then come to the adjustment. And that is you must make major adjustments in your life if you want to join God in what he is doing. But once you've made those adjustments, you come to the seventh reality, and that is that you come to know God. And you come to know God by experience as you obey him and as he accomplishes his work through you. This is where we all want to be, to where we are obeying God, experiencing God, and doing exactly what he wants us to do. But how do we get there? Well, we've talked about he's working everywhere. We've talked about the relationship. He wants to build the relationship. And we've talked about that he gives us that invitation. Today, I want to talk about how God speaks. And today, we want to break this reality into two weeks. This week, we want to talk how he speaks through Bible and through prayer. God speaks. God has been speaking throughout time. It says in Hebrews 1.1, it says, God speaks uh, long ago at many times and in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, you know, God has spoken to us before. If you go in the Old Testament, God has spoken different ways. Audible voice, gentle whisper, uh, spoken through miraculous signs. Different ways God spoke throughout the Old Testament. And um, when God spoke throughout the Old Testament, there are two certainties that you can write down that applied then and it applies now. And this is the first one. The first one is that when God spoke, it was usually unique to that individual. When God spoke, it was usually unique to that individual. Now, help me out here. When God spoke to Moses, he spoke to him through what? A burning bush. A burning bush. And so God spoke to him through a burning bush. How many other burning bushes experiences are there recorded in the Bible? Do you know? Zero. There's none. 
And when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, Moses' response was not, oh, yeah, the old burning bush, yeah. That's why you spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I guess it's my turn to have a burning bush. No. Because, you know, if God did speak to everybody through burning bushes, you know what Moses would have done? He'd have written a book, How God Speaks Through a Burning Bush. Everybody would have bought it and felt they would have had a formula and that the only way that you'll ever know when God is speaking to you is you've got to have your burning bush. If you don't have your burning bush, then I guess God hadn't spoke to you. When you look through Scripture, God is usually unique to that individual as to how he speaks. And where you want to keep that in mind is that however God spoke to me when I graduated from college and I felt that God led me to my first job is unique to how he spoke to me, which is probably different than how he spoke to you. And to each person here, God spoke to you in a different way. So when he speaks, it will be unique to that individual. But second of all, is that he gave enough specific directions to do something now. When God speaks to you, he will give you enough information, some specific directions, so that you can do something now. And when God speaks to you, he's not going to give you everything. When he spoke to Moses, he gave him enough to do. If you've got your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. If you look in Exodus chapter 3, when God is speaking to Moses with the burning bush, he comes to verse 16, and he's telling him exactly what he wants him to do. He says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, every kind of site. And a land flowing with milk and honey. Bottom line, I'm going to bring you, I've heard your oppression, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you to this wonderful land. This is what you're to tell the elders. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel will then go to the king of Egypt and you'll say to him, the Lord, the God, of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord, our God. But I'm telling you what, Moses, I'm going to give you a hint. You know what his response is going to be? But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he's compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand. I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he'll let you go. And I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you will not go empty. But they will pour out and give you goods and they will send you on your way. He gave enough specific directions for him to do something now. But did he tell him everything? No. It's like he didn't mention the fact that when they let you go, that Pharaoh's going to change his mind and his army's going to pursue you. And then you're going to come up to the Red Sea and you're going to be stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And then you get to see a miracle take place in the Red Sea. He also didn't mention the fact that you're going to be in the wilderness for a while and I'm going to have to feed you manna. Then you're going to get thirsty and you're going to have to get water out of a rock. And guess what? These people are going to grumble and complain day after day after day after day. He didn't tell them all that. But aren't you glad? Because if he did, Moses may have said, I'm not so certain about this. I mean, he balked as it was, as we'll see later on. You see, God doesn't give us the whole game plan. But what he will do, he'll give you enough specific directions so that you can take some action now. So when God speaks, those are two truths that you can pretty well write down. Now, it says when God speaks, he speaks through by the Holy Spirit. 
God speaks by the Holy Spirit. When a person receives Christ as Savior, at that moment, God's Spirit comes into their life. And so if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in your life. Look at the passage here found in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? God's Spirit dwells in us. So what does the Holy Spirit do as he resides within us? There's a number of things he does, but let me point out one one specific thing that he does, and that is he teaches us. It says here in the book of John, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It says the Holy Spirit is the great teacher, which means the spiritual truths that we get, we get them from the Holy Spirit. Look what else Jesus says. He says, but when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So he says he will teach you and he will guide you into all truth. So anything that we learn about God, his purposes, his ways, his will for us, we learn through the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will teach us these things. So God will speak through the Holy Spirit. Now, when God speaks through the Holy Spirit, when he does this, he will reveal about three different things. And we always need to keep this in mind when we look at Scripture and we begin to pray. The first thing is, is that God will reveal himself. God reveals himself. When you are in God's Word or when you are praying and the Spirit of God speaks to you, he will reveal some things about himself. Talk about his nature, talk about his character. Let me give you an illustration. In Leviticus chapter 19, when uh, Moses is, if God is talking to Moses, look what he says. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Now, what did God just point out? He says, I want you to know that a part of my nature, my character is that I am holy. You say, why did he point that out? Because, you know, he gave them the Ten Commandments. He says, I'm building a, a, a people for myself, and you need to be holy. You need to be set apart. And God says, I want you to know this because I am holy. And because I am holy, you also need to be holy. And so when God reveals things about himself, what he's doing is revealing these things about himself so that you will have the faith to believe that he can do what he says. Because, see, I need to have faith in this God who is asking me to join him in his work, which may require sacrifice, it may require a major adjustment in my life, and in order for me to have the faith to make that step, I need to know and understand more about who this God is. And he reveals himself to us. And so as you're reading God's word, as you're praying, God's spirit will begin to speak to you. And you begin to see this is a God of love. This is a God of mercy. This is a God of grace. This is a God of judgment. This is a God that is omnipotent. And this is a God that is, he's all powerful. He's, he's all, he's present everywhere. He is sovereign. And you begin to understand the nature of God. You realize, listen, I need to do what he says. I want to work with him. I want to get on his team. And so when we read God's word and as we pray, God reveal things about himself. But second of all, God will reveal his purpose. God reveals his purpose. So you will know what his plans are and that you can follow his plans. What is your purpose? 
Well, he was very clear with Moses. He says, Moses, here's my purpose. Take the people out of Egypt and get them to the promised land. I'm going to work through you, and it's going to take a while, but that's the purpose. Get from A to B. We need to continue to read God's word and understand his heart and understand what his purposes are. The overarching purpose is for the redemption of all people. God's desire is that all people would come to know Christ as Savior. And so when I begin to keep that purpose in mind, that helps direct me for what it is that God wants me to do. But God will reveal his purposes to you as we study his word. And the third thing is that God will reveal his ways. And God reveals his ways. And the reason he does this is because that's the only way to accomplish his purposes. God's ways are different than our ways. We understand that. God works entirely different. You could, each person could probably stand up and give a testimony of saying, you know, I really thought this situation should have gone like this and this, but God's ways were totally different than my ways. And it turned out to be a lot better. I was amazed at how he did this. But you see, when I study God's word, I want him to be able to reveal his ways to me because that is the only way that he will accomplish his purpose. And when God begins to reveal his ways, then if I go with his ways and it accomplishes his purposes, then people will not look at me or you and say, wow, it's because you're so smart and you're so great. It's because this got accomplished. Their response will be only God could have done this. And when they respond that only God could have done this, then God is the one who receives the glory. So see where we are. You know, God is sitting here and, uh, and is working everywhere. God is working all around us. He wants to build this intimate love relationship with that is personal and that is real. And as we build that relationship, he then offers this invitation for us to join him in his work. And then for you to understand what that invitation is, it means God has to speak to you. And he speaks to you through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that we all have when we've made that decision for Christ. And as he's speaking to you, he's revealing more about himself, about his purposes and about his ways Do you understand how all this keeps coming back to the relationship? You see, it's not just a formula. It is a relationship. And as I learn more about God and I walk with him day by day, he revealing himself, his purposes, and his ways, then I get a better understanding as to what he wants me to do. And so while we're here, how does he do that? He does it in four ways. Does prayer, Bible, circumstances, and the church. Today... Zero in real quickly on prayer and the Bible. So, first of all, God speaks through the Bible. The Bible, this is the revelation of God. This tells us who God is, and we learn about Him. We learn about His truths. We learn about His purposes and His ways. This is where God reveals spiritual truths to you. This is so important. You know, I thought about this a lot about oftentimes when we are seeking God's will for something, we will pray and then we'll say, God, give me direction for this or that. And we're asking God to work within our own thought processes, everything that we've gone through this week, what TV shows we watched, what websites we visited, what work we did, what, relation, what conversations we had with people. And we think that through all of that, God's going to tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. But what God does is he speaks through his word. So what God wants us to do is to feast on his word, take that into our minds and our hearts, 
And then his spirit will speak to us through his word and confirm things through his word. They are connected. The Bible and prayer are connected. If you want to know God's will, you need to be reading God's word. And then as you read God's word, God begins to share things with you out of his word. His Holy Spirit points these truths out to you. And see, the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And so then he will make the will of God known to you through the word of God. Spirit of God knows the mind of God. He wants to tell you the will of God, and he shows that through the word of God. And as God is ready to do something in your life, he will speak to you through his word. Have you ever read God's word and all of a sudden were just gripped by a passage and you understood God in a way you'd never understood him before? Has that ever happened to you where you're just reading through and it may be even a familiar scripture and all of a sudden you read this and you go, whoa, I've never seen this before. Do you know what happened? You just experienced God. His Holy Spirit spoke to you in a real way, connected with you, and gave you a new understanding of who God is or his purposes or his ways. Man, that's what he's talking about. And and so when you sit there and you think about when God speaks to me, speaks to me through his word, I've got to know his word. But then I've got prayer. Now, prayer is a two-way communication with God. It's not one way. It's two ways. Two-way communication means that I talk to God and then God speaks to me. And that means I've got to listen. And so as I'm praying, I'm talking to God and I'm listening for what he has to say. Many times what he will say will be confirmed by scripture. And so I'm praying and I'm listening. And I'm talking to the creator God, our heavenly father. And I'm asking him, What can I learn more about you? What are you showing me in your word? So speaks by the Bible, speaks by prayer. And as you pray, you just begin to watch and see how the Holy Spirit begins to move in the activity of what God is doing. So God is wanting to speak to us, but he speaks to us through the Bible and he speaks to us through prayer. You can't just put those aside. Those are linchpins to understanding the will of God and linchpins for understanding and experiencing God and who he is. So let me give you three foundational truths here. Three foundational truths, and then we're going to give you real practical steps on the Bible and prayer. Three foundational truths. Number one, the first foundational truth is this. God will never lead you to do something that contradicts his written word. God will never lead you to do something that contradicts his written word. This is why the Bible is so important to tie in with prayer. There are times when you may have a desire to do something, and as you're praying, you think that it's God's Spirit that's saying, yes, you need to go this direction. But that's why you need to come to God's Word, because when you come to God's Word, if it contradicts with with that, then you know it's not right. Uh, Just thinking about any of the things that God's word tells us that we're not supposed to do. You know, I've had people, believe it or not, come to me and they said, well, I know I'm married, but there's this woman at work and I'm real attracted to her. And uh, I just feel like that, uh, that, that God's kind of bringing us together. I said, really? Are you serious? Yes. I've prayed about that. And I think that's true. Could you show that to me in this book right here? You see, when you look at here and it, it says about flee sexual immorality and don't commit adultery, that, that conflicts. 
That's a conflict. I think it even deals with, uh, with in- integrity issues. To where as you're walking with God and God speaks to your heart, you need to look in Scripture and say, does this, does this confirm it? I, I did something the other day that um, apparently isn't done very much. Um, a few weeks ago, I ordered some stuff on Amazon.com. It's not like, hey, no one's ever done that. Uh, I, and so I ordered stuff, and there was a time frame when I felt like I needed to have it. And they promised me it would be here. And they broke the order into two sections. And the first section, sure enough, made it. The second section never made it. It didn't make it on the day it was supposed to make it. It didn't make it on the next day. Next day, it didn't make it. It was a week, and it hadn't made it. So I called them up. And uh, I said, hey, I never got that. And I know you put it on my credit card. Could you credit my credit card? Can I get the money back for it? Because it's apparently lost somewhere. And they said, oh, I'll be glad to do that. They're real nice. And so they credited my card. That was great. Three days later, showed up. So the package shows up. So I opened up the package. And sure enough, it's all there. Well, I couldn't sleep at night. I felt terrible. I said, here they credited my credit card. It was a huge amount. $19.82. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's major, major bucks on there. So I went to work the next day and I called them. And I, I went online, tried to figure out how I could call them. This lady comes on. I said, hey, I just got to tell you. And she, oh, I got your order number right here. And I said, yeah. I said, these things that I ordered, I, remember y'all credited my account. I said, guess what? They showed up. And so what I'd like you to do is to bill my account back that money. And there was silence. She says, really? I said, yeah. And she kind of laughed. We don't get this very often. (laughs) She says, seriously? I said, yes. I said, I received the goods and I should pay for them. She says, okay, sir. We'll We'll be glad to do that. Well, you know, God's word talks about being honest. We're not to owe anyone anything. And and so that would have been dishonest for me to me to keep that. As you just walk through life, what you want to do is you pray, look for how God guides you. But when he does, you need to understand that he will never lead you to do something that contradicts his written word. Number two, don't look for a scripture that seems to say what you selfishly want to do and then claim it's God's will. Anybody ever done that? You know, you can have just enough knowledge of God's word to be dangerous and always kind of have those go-to verses. I thought about that. I was thinking about this, and I said, look for a scripture that says what you selfishly want to do and then claim it's God's will. And it just came over me that what if I was trying to figure out, do I need to go to church or not? You know, wake up in the morning, and I'm trying to find, and so I turned to God's word, and I said, God, what are you telling me I need to do? Hey, you can turn to John 21, 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. Well, praise God. We're, that's about as clear as it gets. John 21, 3. I'm going fishing, baby. Yeah, you see, we, we do stuff like this. We, we look for some passage of scripture and it selfishly meets our wants and needs. And, and then we say, this must be God's will. Don't do that. This is why we read the whole counsel of God and not just cherry-pick verses. Number three is this. Sometimes we pray for one thing and we get something different and better. I just want you to hold on to this because there will be times when you're praying for something and you say, I've been asking for this, but God doesn't seem to be giving me this. Guess what? 
If we stay in his will and praying according to his will, he will come and will give you something different and even give you something even better on that. Yeah, I love the, love the story I get to use on my wife is, is that she was praying about who she would marry. Uh, she, she had three things that she knew that, uh, that were not going to be a part of the person she married. Number one, she didn't want somebody that was old, that was younger than her. Number two is she didn't really like fraternities that much when she was in college. She didn't want a guy who was in a fraternity. And number three, she was working at the phone company. She didn't want anybody from the phone company. So she ended up marrying me, who's one year younger, president of the fraternity, and worked at the phone company. You get something different, but something better. Yes. Yeah, it's so much better, isn't it? And so so there are things that God will do for us like that. Mark chapter 2. Think about Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. These friends had this uh, this guy who um, uh, who was crippled. And so they were taking him to Jesus. And remember, they took him to Jesus and the room was all full. So then they would take him up to the roof and they break open the roof and they drop him down. And when they dropped him down, they said, we're taking our friend to Jesus so he will heal him. That's what they prayed for. But he gave him something different. When he came down, he looked at this man and he says, your sins have been forgiven. And he healed him. Something different, something better. So we serve a God who can think of things beyond anything we can think of, who loves you beyond anything that you can imagine, who wants to do things to you more than anything you can even put in your minds. This is the God we serve. And so when we're praying to him and we're making requests of him, he may not be answering that request because it's too small of a request. There may be something different and it may be something better. Amen, Janice? Amen. All right, here we go. All right, let me give some specific steps as we get ready to close. Specific steps with the Bible and prayer. Now, these are some steps that you can take. Listen to me closely. This is not a formula. This is not to say, oh, if we just do this, everything's good. These are steps that I would encourage you to do and for myself to do so that we can hear how God is trying to speak to us through life. Okay? All right, number one. This is the first thing that we need to read your Bible with a pen and paper. Read your Bible with a pen and paper. That means have a journal, have a pad, something on there. Now, I know we're electronic. And you say, will an iPad do? Can I use that? Yes, you can. However, do not be working on your fantasy football league at the same time that you're trying to read God's Word. You know, I've tried to use uh, my pad to, to be like a journal, but it seems like everybody's texting me and emails are coming in and, and, some, and it's difficult. If you can work that out, fine. Main thing is you need to have something to where when God says something to you, you can write it down. So whenever you're reading God's word, have your Bible open, have a pen and paper. Number two, when you are, are, are reading verses and there's a verse that jumps out to you, write down that verse in your journal. And when you're going through, when you're going through just a quiet time, maybe a devotional guide, maybe reading straight through the Psalms or Proverbs or the Gospels, whatever, as you're reading a verse, just write that verse down in the journal if God jumps out at you and speaks to you on that. Number three. The third is then to meditate on that verse. Spend time on that verse. Again, God has led you to this verse. Everything in Scripture God can use for us to learn about him. So you begin to meditate on that verse. Begin to think about it, pray about that. Number four, after you meditate on that verse, immerse yourself in the meaning of that verse. 
I mean, you just, just say, God, what is it that, that you're trying to, to teach me here? I want to, want to learn more about you. What are you revealing about yourself, your purposes, and your ways? What is it that you're telling me about yourself on that verse? Number five is to identify the adjustments you need to make in your life so God can work through you. If you can't write that much, it's identify the adjustments. Identify the adjustments that you need to make in your life. What is God telling you in that verse of Scripture? I tell you, this, is, this, has, been, this has been so fun to go through and put this message together. Because I pulled out two journals that I've kept throughout my life. And one of them was on the call to ministry, leaving the business world to go into ministry. And the other was when we did the 40 days of prayer and fasting and, uh, and, and seeing what God was, was teaching us during, teaching me during these times. And it was so good. This is why this is such a relationship. This is not a one-time thing of you just reading that, see if you can get an answer and move on. It is a continuing intimate relationship with God. In November of 1983 is when I made the final decision to say that uh, I will leave the, the Bell System and will go to seminary and go to Southwestern Seminary. And I was reading the passages and the things that I was writing on there. And it was great how God would jump out alive to me in some of these verses. And that was in November of 1983. And, and it, you know, we're, we're leaving Mobile and we're leaving our house that we had built and we're going out to Fort Worth. And, and all of that sounds good. And you could look at me and say, wow, that was a great spiritual time. And weren't you a great guy? But as I was going through that, I got to January 10th. It was just barely two months later. And as I was reading through a devotional, it went to, I think it was Acts 26, 16, when Paul is talking about his um, testimony of how God spoke to him on the road to Damascus. And after he struck him with the light, God said, arise and stand up. Don't stay down here. Arise and stand up because I've got something, you know, for you to do. Arise and stand up. Do you know what I wrote in the journal? Stop your belly aching. Stop your belly aching. You know, this little whining that you're going about, oh, we're giving up our nice house in Mobile to go to seminary. Apparently, I've become a whiner. Now, I was pretty spiritual in November. But in January, it was all kind of coming in on me. And I was saying, look what we've given up, look at all that. And then I wrote down, if Christ could give his life up, I could give up a house. Right? And I really wasn't giving it up. I was going to sell it. And it's not like God was going to make me go live in a tent. I was going to go find another place to live. But I got so wrapped up in myself and stuff. And in that intimate walk and relationship with God, he was able to get my attention and say, whoa, big fella. And he just took that that verse. Who'd have thought it? Arise and stand up. And I said, you're right, God. I just need to get up and go forward with you. This is what I'm telling you. As you just read through Scripture, God is going to communicate as you pray through his word, and he reveal himself and his purposes and his ways. Number six is this. Write a prayer response to God. I don't know if you've ever done this before. But after you've read that passage and you see what adjustments you need to make, just write down in your journal a prayer to God. It could be as long or as short as you want it to be. But you pray about that response and say, God, and just write it down. And it's you praying to him. Number seven is this. After you've done that, make the necessary adjustments in your life as you continue to pray. 
So if God has put something on your heart to make an adjustment in your life, make that adjustment, and then you continue to pray. And whatever is God's asked you to do or convicted you, shift that and then say, okay, God, I'm continuing to pray. Continue for you to show me. And then the last thing is this. Pay close attention to God's response and look for his activity. Pay close attention to God's response and look for his activity. See, this is when he's, he's, he's moving. He's always active and he's working around us. And once he's got your attention, then you begin to see what his response will be to your prayer and begin to see his activity and how you can join him in that activity. That's how God speaks. He speaks through prayer and he speaks through the Bible. Now, as he's doing that, some of you will say, well, Danny, I have been praying about something for weeks, maybe months, and I've not got a clear word on it yet. There's usually two things on that. Number one, just need to check your life and say, is there any unconfessed sin in your life that's putting a block between you and God? And if there is, you need to get that taken care of. For many of you, there's not. It's just he hadn't answered it yet. You just know that God's timing is best. And what God is trying to do many times is his delays are so that he can help you to grow even deeper in your relationship with him. Because many times he teaches us during those delay times lessons that we would have never learned before. His timing is best. You just stay the course, continuing to look into his word, continuing to pray. And when he does that, that is when God speaks to you. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And I want us to take this to heart. I want to walk you through just a moment about praying to God to be able to speak to you so you can experience him and to know his will, his purposes, and his ways. In these moments, as we get ready to walk out these doors in just a few minutes. I'd like for you right now, as you're praying to God, that you could in your heart make a commitment to say, God, I'm going to get involved in your word. I want to read your word. And I want to build that intimate relationship with you. So that you can speak to me, not so I can figure out what I want to do, but so I can see where you're working and how I can join you in what you are doing. And so, fathers, we come as your children and we lift up our prayers and our requests to you. We understand that you have such a desire to have that intimate relationship with us and for some reason, we seem to balk at this. And I pray in these moments, in this service, that you have grabbed each one of our hearts to where there is such a desire to get to know you better and to love you better, to experience you. And as we experience you, to know what your will is, what we are to do in order to see your kingdom advanced.
And so, Father, right now, each individual soul here, as they are lifting up that prayer to you, I pray that you would convict each of our hearts to be more serious in opening up your word and then praying through that and listening to you speak to us and help us along the way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you look this way for just a moment, it's my hope and prayer that as we go through this week, that we will try to experience and listen to how God communicates to us through his word and through prayer.